Okay, well, yeah. Cheers, guys. Good news about the, the venue. I mean, very, very exciting stuff. I just wanted to take a moment. One, Lou, maybe you could just wave your hand again if you wanna chat to someone, find out more. That's Lou. Yeah. I don't know if they're clapping for you or the venue, Lou, but hey, yeah. Woo! And, um, and I wanted to just say thanks to Klaas. Klaas is putting in a lot of time and energy and effort into this. So yeah, he can really appreciate it. Uh, knows how to get things done, does class. But uh, really, really fantastic. We're so grateful to God. Please pray with us. I mean, if I haven't met you yet, uh, hi, I'm Don. Um, wife is at home at the moment. Heidi, the kid's sore throat. I'm sure a lot of you know someone who's a bit sick or are a little sick yourselves, struggling a bit this morning. But there is a picture of the family, I think. May or may not come. And uh, that's us, Rachel, Rebecca, my two little girls, and Heidi, so I'm sure that, I'm hoping they feel better soon. Um, I don't know if you've been here over the last two weeks. It's been powerful. I mean, I think really impactful. Um, we've been looking at the book of James in this third sub-series. We're looking at the wisdom James gives us for life, and we've been zeroing in on, on God's wisdom for handling conflict for how we relate to each other, how we get on as Christ followers, uh, even in, in the local church like ours. And I get to wrap that up today. If you've missed week one or two, I do encourage you to go check it out. Go to Facebook, you'll get the link to the YouTube page, go to the podcast, you can get it there. Um, it's been encouraging to hear how people have been moving toward each other. I've heard stories of people moving toward each other in reconciliation, in dealing with past hurts and pains and heartaches, some even lasting decades. I mean, it's, it's exciting because that is the whole point. The point of hearing the word of God preached is to be transformed to be changed, to do life differently, to make new decisions, to freshly surrender, to take bold steps. I mean, to live for God's glory. Otherwise, we're just consumers here and that's not what it means to follow Jesus. We have James's words always echoing on our ears. Don't be hearers of the word only, but doers also. I mean, I've heard stories of people texting people in the message you know, while the message had been going out, just reaching out to people, I had to turn my phone on silent. So many people wanted to seek reconciliation. This is just a joke. <laughs> but, but people have also spoken about this peace and this freedom that comes into life and we just settle some of this stuff. We just deal with it as hard as it can be and, and put it behind us that there's, there's this different space that God wants for us. It's just been brilliant. As, as a community, as a church, our togetherness is gonna be so much richer, so much sweeter, so much more effective if we take these words to heart and make them a part of who we are. Week one, we looked at conflict and we saw actually most of the conflict we have with people, it's not because of something out there or because of someone out there or because of some circumstances. Actually, most of the, the stuff is right here. It's in our own hearts, and God's calling us to do some, some introspection, some inward looking, looking at what's happening in our hearts. And last week, I mean, fantastic if you were here to hear Matt and Kelly. I don't know if you were here in the first or the second meeting, but they did so well. They spoke about the fact that, that conflict means, firstly, we humbly submit ourselves to God. Isn't that an interesting place to start talking about conflict? 
dealing with conflict, conflict management. Step one, submit yourself to God. So a lot of stuff gets sorted out in our lives when we, number one, submit ourselves to God. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then it's, they spoke about dealing with sin in our lives. That in the midst of strife, in the midst of difficult, let's keep handling our sin. I can picture Rigby saying, scoop your poop. There's been this strong thread through this, this, this thing of humility. That actually what we need as Christ followers is a fresh dose of humility in our lives. It reminds me a little bit of our theme for the Advanced Conference, Humbly Onward. This call of God for a fresh humility in our lives as Christ followers and as leaders to, to trust God, but in that humility where we find, remember week one I spoke about God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So as you hear God's word preached, even this morning, you've got a choice. You can be proud, and in your relationships and in your conflict and in, in these things, you can double down on where you're at. You know, double down in your camps, double down in your opinion, double down on what you think of someone and what you think of yourself and what you think's right, in which case you, you, you may well find yourself experiencing some kind of opposition, some kind of resistance, some, some scratchiness in your walk with God. Alternatively, and better says James, is humble yourself before God and he will lift you up. That actually there's a, there's a lifting up of our lives, there's an experience of God, there's this peace that, that God wants for us if we humble ourselves. So let me pray. I'm gonna pray that we can do just that and then I'm gonna get into the text. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. If we humble ourselves before you, that you will lift us up. God, we wanna be those who take you at your word, who surrender our lives to the authority of your word. We wanna hear you, wanna be transformed. Amen. Okay, James 4, verse 11. If you've got your Bible, turn there, brothers and sisters. I'll get, shame, I should give you a second at least. Eh? James 4, verse 11. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister or judges them, speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge. <laughs> Sorry. Someone's phone is, there we go. It's gonna turn off. The panic, eh? I mean, it's like, do any of these buttons work? I know exactly how it feels. <laughs> so, okay, verse 12. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you... Who are you to judge your neighbor? I mean, I think the big slice of wisdom, the one big takeaway that I think James would want us to hear is this. Don't tear people down with your skewed sense of self. Don't tear people down with your skewed sense of self. I mean, it's a bit strong and edgy, but that's James. I mean, he doesn't back down. So what I wanna do this morning, I want us to look at slander. What is slander? What's he talking about? Then, then I wanna look at four things that James says, hey, before you slander someone, consider four things. And then I'm gonna land with three practical next steps. So here we go, the problem slander. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Now the first thing I think of here is Johnny Depp and Amber Heard and the defamation trial. I mean, anyone wanna say that they followed that a little bit? Hey, just me, awkward. 
I had COVID at the time. I was in isolation. I, I was had a lot of time on my hands. It was, it was difficult. Don't judge me. But that's what I think of when I think of slander. That's what comes to mind. It's, it's, we think about slander in a lawful sense. Like it's, it's the crime of writing or saying some, something about someone that's not true that d- damages their reputation. And so you, you sue them for damages. Now James uses a, a, a broader, a wider word than that. He says, don't slander, don't denigrate, don't defame, don't shame someone, even if what you're saying is true. So he's saying, yeah, you don't make false accusations or spread false news about someone, but you don't even spread false news about someone, I mean news about someone, if it's true. If actually what you're saying really did happen, don't do it. He says, the content of what you're sharing might be true, but the intent and impact is harsh and unkind and damaging to our relationships. So I'm talking about things like destructive verbal attacks. You know, when we speak about someone and, and we're actually trying to, trying to attack, it's gossiping or sharing behind someone's back. It's criticizing, speaking evil against, maligning, even backbiting someone. This is all slander. This kind of behavior tears people down. And especially amongst Christ followers, James says, stop, no more. The thing about this term slandering, you know, speaking down on someone, maligning someone, it, it carries in it this innate idea that, that the person slandering has a, feels superior in their hearts. That this is like, I'm the gold standard. And you know, someone hasn't met my gold standard and I'm just sharing letting everyone know that someone's fallen short. Slander, it's a problem of superiority in our hearts. One of my commentaries said this, it says, defamation is forbidden, not as a breach of truth, nor even as a breach of love, but as a breach of humility. It's a breach of humility. Another good thing for us to think about here is James isn't writing and saying, like, hey guys, watch out for slander. You know, you may be tempted one day in the future. No, no, as he writes, he's saying, guys, this is happening in the church. Stop. I think we can relate. I think we can relate to that in these words of James. This has been a very challenging message to preach. You know, as you reflect and you think about your own life and your own behavior and your own words, sure, you gotta do some, you get humbled. <laughs> And I think it's tough because this kind of thing is so normalized in our culture, isn't it? Think about politics and power. It's about exploiting other people's weaknesses for your benefits, you know, exposing their weaknesses and secrets. The way to power and influence in our world is to tear down, to expose. But the way of Jesus is to cover up and to build up. We love to, to speak about other people's mistakes and their weaknesses. I don't know, maybe we feel better about ourselves. Maybe we trying to gain a friendship. You know, like, hey, are we together on this thing or this experience or this thing about that person? Maybe we feel like we're, we're gaining favor with someone. Yeah, it's at someone's expense, but hey, you know, it's a cost you're willing to pay. Yeah, it can damage the health of a greater networks of friends and, and a community, but we're not really that concerned about that. And the other thing about this is it happens quickly. You know, it's just a few words here and a few words there. It can just happen like that. Of course, as Christ followers, sometimes we are a bit cleverer than just that. 
you know, we wrap it up into a prayer request and then we tie a little bow around it and say, hey, don't tell anyone, which never works. Did you hear about what so-and-so did when they were at pressure at work? Did you hear about what happened when their kids did this thing? Did you hear what they did? It's like sometimes we take someone's worst or weakest moment and we judge them by that and that becomes who they are. That's the story that we tell. So damaging, so hurtful. By the way, I'm not saying that we, that we don't move toward people, that we overlook people's sin, but we don't go to other people about them, we go to them. I mean, Matthew 18, if you wanna read a text, Matthew 18 gives us coaching on how we to relate to each other. And it speaks about dealing with sin, but it can definitely be extended into this realm of, of conflict, how to, how to move toward each other in the church. The idea of slander, it's so destructive. It's damaging, it's harmful to our relationships, it's harmful to our community, to our local church family. There are always casualties with this kind of conflict. So in light of all this, James says, hey, Consider four things before you slander someone. Firstly, I'm gonna spend most of my time on this first one. Consider what you think of others in the moment. I mean, verse 11 and verse 12, it makes it clear that we are, as Christ followers, siblings, brothers and sisters, and neighbors. Verse 12, who are you to judge your neighbor? So let's talk about being brothers and sisters. As Christ followers, whether in this church or you know, in the broader body of Christ, the way that we the way and, and what we speak about each other is to be peppered with familial love and concern. That we wanna see our brothers and sisters striving. You know, we, we care about them. We wanna see them maturing. We wanna see them, you know, experiencing life in a, in a good space. Another way to think about being brothers and sisters in Christ is that is that the only reason that we're part of God's family is because God chose to adopt us into his family. That Colin is as adopted into God's family as myself, as Meg's, as class, that we are equal. We have a maxim in common ground that says the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That actually each and every one of us stands in equal need of God's mercy and grace. There is no space for superiority. It makes absolutely no sense in the church. It makes no sense. Actually, I think about it. This understanding that we are equal, that there's no inferiority, there's no superiority in the body of Christ. That's actually the foundation of our relationships. It's the foundations about how we ought to relate to other Christ followers. But he also says that we're neighbors. I know we, you know, us, as us, <laughs> As, we, as you get younger, maybe that's not me anymore. Uh, we might not have as good a friendship with our neighbors as in years gone by. I mean, things are just more isolated nowadays. But when I think about neighborliness, I think about mutual care and concern. That, you know, if your neighbor's doing well, you're doing well. If you're, if you're looking out for your neighbor's house, he's looking out for your house. It's like, you know, it, it, it's mutual care and concern is good neighborliness. Think about the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10. Go check it out. Let's use that as a biblical picture of neighborliness. What happens is you've got this Jew who's going down. He gets uh, robbed. He gets beaten. He's lying on the side of the road. Along comes the, the priest, walks past his fellow Jew. Then you've got the worship leader that comes across, walks past their fellow Jew. Then you get the New Zealand supporter who stops. 
you get this Samaritan, this, this enemy of the Jews, traditional enemy who stops, who goes down to, to see the need of this person, to recognize the need, and then without thought of their self-interest, meets the need. Gets the guy, helps him out, pays for him to, to have accommodation, to have food, to heal up. So powerful, a picture of neighborliness. When we see weakness and vulnerability in others, even if we experience that as hurt and, and, you know, and affront to us, when we see that weakness or vulnerability, especially in other Christ followers, it's hard to really see the need, to meet the need, and even if it costs us something, to lift that person up. Imagine if we got this right. Imagine if this was how we treated our, our friends, our spouses. What about parents to kids and kids to parents? If we carried within us this neighborliness, this, this idea that we walk not in superiority but in lowliness, looking to meet needs, looking to lift people up, to raise people up. Imagine the hurt that we'd be done away with. Imagine the trust that would be built. I don't know if you've got a friendship with someone who has never said a bad word about someone. You feel so safe with that person. You know that they're never gonna say anything about you, that they're always positive, that they think highly of you. It's, it, there's like, there's a level of trust and openness that you have with someone like that that you, that you don't have with others. Imagine that trust being built in a whole community of people where there's this safety and this mutual respect and this desire for growth. Imagine if we took the words of Paul to heart in Ephesians 4. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Okay, so that's the first thing. Before you think of slandering someone, James says, consider what you think of others. Then he says, consider what you think of the law. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy. I mean, the law that James is speaking about here, we, we read in James 2 verse 8, if you just flip back a page, it says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. I mean, this is the second greatest commandment as Jesus taught his followers. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, when we slander, when we speak evil of, when we share people's weaknesses and mistakes, when we falsely, what about this one? When we, we falsely or inaccurately ascribe motives to someone's behavior, that happens. Someone does something, we assume we know why, or we ascribe motives to them, and we talk about it. These are all ways that we can slander. What, there's three things we're doing when we slander. One, we're, we're breaking God's second greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're not only breaking it, we're sitting in judgment on it. In other words, we're saying, hey God, I know this is important to you, but I've actually got a set of values that are more important to me. And so I'm gonna live by my values and I'll put your second greatest commandment on hold. We take on the role of lawmaker instead of law keeper. And as Christ followers, we are law keepers. It flows into the third consideration. James says, hey, before you slander someone, just consider what you think of God. So consider what you think of others, consider what you think of the law, consider what you think of God. It's the same verses. When we, when we disregard God's law, what does it tell us about our relationship 
with God. If we discard God's law, what does that say about what we think? Well, for one thing, we're disputing his authority as our creator. We're saying, actually, we, we know what's going on here. We, we don't acknowledge that you're good and that you want the best for us. That's bad enough, but let's take it a little deeper. That actually, think about when God gives us a law, he's inviting us, it's an extension of his character. And so he's inviting us to become more like him. So when it comes to slander in our relationships, God is a triune God. Father, Son, and Spirit in this beautiful harmony of relationship that God knows as people for us to flourish, we need good relationships. We need warmth. We need to deal with conflict in our lives. And so when God says to us, do not slander or love your neighbor as yourself, he's inviting us to be more like him. And when we say no to his law, we're saying, actually, I don't wanna be more like you, God. I mean, isn't that what Christ following is all about? To conform to the image of Christ? When we say no to this, we're saying, no, I don't wanna look more like Jesus. And then fourthly, it says, consider what you think of yourself before you slander someone. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Classic James. Now, I think he's made his point pretty clear by now. Who are we? Who are you? Who am I? We are those who walk in lowliness or humility before God and each other. That's who we are. We are those who walk in lowliness and humility before others and God. I mean, I've said it already. The last three weeks, humility is the key. So much of our conflict is, is humility. Submit yourself to God. Be humble. It's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Thinking more of others. Thinking more of God. James is, he wants to, he wants to put the nail in the coffin of any notion of superiority that we carry in our hearts. He's saying, no, stop it. Get rid of that. Get rid of the skewed sense of self that's behind some of this conflict some of this harsh, unkind, critical, defaming language. It's absurd, says James. In light of, of who God is, how could you think that? How could you do that? How could you speak about each other like that? Now again, I said this was hard for us, and I think one of the reasons it's hard for us is sometimes we don't, we're not self-aware. We don't recognize in a moment what's actually going on or what we're actually doing or what we're actually saying about someone. Have you ever sat in a conversation with someone who is telling you about someone else in a slanderous way and you think to yourself, oh, that could have been me. What you're describing, they did, I could have done that. Or what about, I have done that. You won't tell them in the moment because you, what about, what about this one? I wonder what this person says about me when I'm not around. Thought about that? See, what happens when slander enters into relationships and into community, you get, this, you get this complexity of inferiority and superiority and people making judgment calls. You know, there's this reading of this insecurity, this mistrust that can, that can creep into relationships and into community that, that just causes so much distress and heartache and pain. James wants to help us. He's gone to great lengths over the last three weeks to say, guys, be humble. Look within your heart, do some self-examination. We don't always see things from other people's perspectives. We need to hear James 
be humble, do some soul work, do some work. You don't always imagine that when you're speaking or slandering someone that you're actually adding fuel to the fire or starting another fire or taking the heat that's in you that maybe wasn't even intended and turning it into a little flame and maybe a little bonfire. I wanna speak about some practical ways we can respond. So I've said, I've said we've gotta walk away with this big idea when we think about handling conflict in these texts is don't tear people down with a skewed sense of self. That's the call of James. He said, hey, if you're thinking about it or you're in that moment, consider what you think of others. Consider what you think of the law. Consider what you think of God. Consider what you think of yourself. And hopefully that's gonna help and cause us to do better. But how, how do we respond? What's some practical next steps? Well, firstly, I wanna, I wanna say and call us as Christ followers to cultivate in our lives, cultivate a high view of others and God. Let me ask you a question. When you see someone or meet someone or talk to someone or engage with someone, even a friend, what do you think of them? What are your first impressions or do you think, hey, here's someone made in the image and likeness of God. Hey, here's someone with a unique story, with life and experiences who God loves and who's God's restoring and renewing. Hey, here's someone who's not perfect, but if they were the only person in the world, God would have died for them. He would have sent Christ for them. Is that how we think about the people around us? Is that how we approach people in general? I think as Christ followers, we've got to start thinking about the way we think about people, cultivating a, a higher view of people, going to the scriptures, going to God. Prayer is an amazing thing we can do. I mean, Lou shared that in week one. You pray about people, pray about circumstances, pray about conflict, your perspective shifts. You think differently about things, you, you see things. We've got, to, we've got to cultivate a higher view of others and of God. Secondly, we've got to cultivate an attitude and a habit of building people up. It can become a habit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, it's not on the screen, it says this, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are, are, you are already doing. Imagine how our community would be transformed if all of us walked around with this idea that I wanna build people up. I wanna build people up. I wanna lift people up. I wanna encourage people. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want more for them. Again, I'm not saying we're overlooking people's faults or we're overlooking their sin or we're not recognizing that there's legitimate hurts, but there's this, this cultivating of an attitude that we can have that wants to see our brothers and sisters in Christ better off after engaging with us or encountering our lives than when we found them. We'll all start to feel a whole lot safer, a whole lot more loved, maybe a whole lot more vulnerable. Thirdly and lastly, cultivate a habit of reflection with the help of the Spirit. I mean, James has been calling us to soul work. You wanna handle your conflict? You wanna work on your relationships, do some soul work, humble reflection on what's happening. And it's so much more effective to do humble reflection when you ongoingly invite the Holy Spirit to help you, to speak to you, to show you things. Ask the Holy Spirit to 
catch you in the midst of a conversation or in the midst of a disagreement or you know, a differing of opinions about something. Ask the Holy Spirit to, in a moment, just catch you. Help you realize that your, te- your blood's starting to boil or that you're starting to think these kind of thoughts. Maybe ask the Spirit to just disarm you in a moment, to highlight to you what's happening, to help you see from someone else's perspective, to help you see what's happening in your own heart. We can invite the Holy Spirit to disarm and arrest us in moments. I was walking in the forest with John Wilde a couple of weeks ago, and this lady was reversing her car. We had you know, finished walking in the parking lot, and this lady starts reversing her car. She's just taking a dog for a walk. It's in the back. And then there's these other guys walking, and their dogs are running around a little bit, and they're shouting, like, stop, stop. And she's reversing. She just keeps going. And so the guy goes up the window, and he's banging on the window. He's like, stop, stop, stop. And I can imagine what's happening in his head. He's thinking, you know, you've got no love for animals. You're crazy. You're a terrible driver. You know, are you even old enough? Can you still drive? So eventually she winds on the window. She's like, you know, I'm so sorry. You were in my blind spots. I didn't hear you. You know, I can imagine what she's thinking. She's thinking, idiots, have you heard of a leash? You know, if you're so worried about your dogs, put them on a leash. You know, this whole thing's escalating. Now, from the outside, I can see that this is like a miscommunication here. This is like a pretty simple thing that happened, but it's just blowing up as people like put motives on people and make assumptions and make judgment calls. And then the most amazing thing happened. is somehow in a moment, the guy just said, I'm so sorry, I was just panicked about my dogs. And she's like, I'm so sorry, you know, I, I also love dogs and I just didn't see you. And, and so there was still a bit of tension in the air, but she drove away. That's, this is what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. In a moment, arrest us. Help us to see what's really happening. Help us to see what's happening in our hearts and de-escalate. And bring that peace into our lives that we long for. Band, why don't you come on up? I wanna pray for us. Why don't you stand? We're gonna sing a closing song. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Again, the gift and the power of your word at work in our hearts. We acknowledge your goodness, your sovereignty, your authority, and we say, God, conform us, form us, help us to be the kind of people that know how to live in harmony despite the ups and downs of relationship. I'm gonna create a moment for you now. Take a minute, minute and a half. Just, why don't you freshly invite the Holy Spirit to help you in your relationships? Maybe, maybe you need a dose of courage or boldness or humility or to see things differently. But let's just, where you are, just now invite the Holy Spirit to to help you. Let's do it now. God, we need more than what we've got. We need you. We need the impact, the power, the life of God through the indwelling spirit to be active in our lives. We pray that you encounter us, that you meet us, 
that you heal us, that you make us whole, that you protect us, that you preserve us, that God, even us as a, as a local church family, that we would be other, different to the world around us, that we would be a kingdom people who live and love uniquely as you've made it. For our good and your glory, we pray. Let's sing this closing song together.